Today on the Zabecast, the complicated case of one Raymond Anthony Lewis Jr. The notorious J.A.Y. joins me to debate and discuss who was better, Moss or T.O.? More importantly, who'd you like better? And we'll remember how revolutionary his sock sharpie was. All that plus HOA battles over what's a yard and what's a meadow. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Here we go. Tuesday, August 7, 2018. Thank you for pressing play. I mean, if you didn't press play, this podcast would just sit here looking stupid. Duh. Actually, I think they might autoplay, depending on how you push the button on whatever. It doesn't matter. Before we get to Jay, let's talk HOAs for a quick second. This story came to my inbox via the Washington Post. Under the headline, in this subdivision, lawns must be mowed. But what about meadows? Apparently a couple in my county, Loudoun County, Virginia, western Loudoun County, I believe, not that I'm bragging, the richest county, the highest median income county in America? Is that possible? It ain't me. I'm just a humble radio host who's trying to get a podcast going. So the day that I get fired, I've got, you know, something to eat food with. But uh, there are, there's some stupid estate money in Loudoun County. And there's also some bigger property lots um, out west, the further out west you go. Like the one I'm on, the monogamous compound. Ten acres with a football field and a Target Green and a tea box or two or three, sand trap maybe here or there. Not a pool, not a pond. Please, God, don't let me get either one of those. Even though I've thought about both, I'm like, hey, man, I get a guy in here, I can dig a pond over here. I've got runoff, be pretty bad. I got to like play a little, uh, do some fishing on it. That was many years ago. But anyway. So this couple on their 5.6-acre lot are now in a lawsuit. In, they're in the middle of litigation. Actually, they're not. They just got finished with litigation, but the, the issue is not over. Regarding their 5.6-acre lot and whether or not they have to mow every single inch of it according to their subdivision's HOA bylaws. The Homeowners Association accused the couple in 2014 of violating its covenant. And after that happened, the couple decided to sue the HOA. $90,000 of their money out the door later, the HOA, of course, has insurance to handle their lawsuit costs. They end up getting the case dismissed. But it doesn't mean that they won, per se. It just means it's kind of in a state of limbo. This guy has created a a video that shows, like, look, here's my property. It's 5.6 acres. We mow four acres of it or thereabouts. This back part of it, it's just basically meadow. It's long grass. We cut it once in the spring to keep the trees from growing in it, and then we leave it all summer, and then that's that. Well, the H someone in the neighborhood was like, you got to mow your grass. You got to mow all of your grass, including that part in the back. And it became a big to-do. 
Of course, what made this couple, what got this couple on the wrong side of their HOA was that in 2011, they decided to raise a flock of Andalusian chickens in their backyard. For six months, the couple said no one was even aware of the chicken coop or the flock until someone spotted the fowl and complained to the board. Livestock, including chickens, are firmly prohibited by the association's covenants, and the couple was forced to remove them to the adjacent farm where they have now been sold off, donated, or consumed by resident foxes. The homeowner admitted that, yeah, yeah, we were wrong about the chicken coop. But then someone said, well, how would you like it if the HOA made you start to mow your meadow? Because the HOA is now feeling their oats, and they're like, hey, fuck you, chicken boy. Now we're going to make you cut all your grass. And that launched this huge dispute. I read the comments section of this uh, article. By the way, it's not over yet, so they're going to the next round of fighting it because even though the case was dismissed legally, like I said, it did not actually result in a victory for the homeowner. And the HOA, they're like, well, we're not taking this line down. We, We make one exception for this guy. Next thing you know, dot, dot. Well, the comments are pretty unsympathetic for the HOA, and I can understand that. And it's funny reading the comments about, you know, people that mow that much grass. Um, and and it, what the, I'm trying to find the one that's the funniest because, uh, yeah, I, I mow more than five acres. <laughs> I think people have seen my property. I, I mow it all. And they're like, it's bad for the environment, all the fossil fuels you have to burn to mow it and the fertilizer and the grass clippings. All right, look, I fertilize my field once a year. That's about it. And the the diesel required to cut the lawn, it's minimal. I mean, seriously. It's 10 acres. What are you talking about? It's minimal. Well, look at all the cars on the road. Like, really? You're going to look at all the other farm equipment that's farming all day. I can't mow my 10 acres? It's like, get out of here. And the clippings, I mean, who cares about the clippings? Those decompose and then go back into the soil. That's not a big deal. I mean, I could leave part of my property as meadow or unmowed. I, I think I can. We do have an HOA on the street I live on, which only has four houses and 10 acres. And there have been HOA disputes in my little neighborhood all the way out in western Loudoun. But uh, I'm of mixed mind on HOAs. I know that when I first ran into an HOA problem, not a problem, but when I first ran up against the HOA was when we lived in Sterling, Virginia, and I lived on .24 of an acre. And what we wanted to do, we had a big plan laid out by our landscaper to fence in our backyard, which is kind of on the corner of a corner lot, Give us some privacy, plant some evergreens to give us more privacy, build a little patio with a waterfall and a putting green. Well, shocker to me, I'm like, what? I have to have these plans approved by the HOA? It's like, this is America, man. I can do what I want. Well, you really can't because HOAs are designed so that you can't reduce the value of your neighbor's property to zero by doing some shit that's not approved, whether it's raising a chicken coop. And you might say, oh, chickens are cute. They're not a big deal. Well, how about pigs? Can, can I farm pigs? Can I, you know, not farm pigs. What would the term be? Uh, yeah, pig farm, I guess. Do you know how bad pig farms stink? 
of pig shit. Well, you saw the Simpsons movie. You know how that is. I call him Plopper. Um, you know, where I live, it's like you're on 10 acres, I'm on 10 acres, he's on 10 acres. What the fuck? Just chill, everybody. Be cool. But I've had some neighbors go at each other over various stupid things like, hey, man, you're going to paint the inside of your fence that divides my 10 acres from your 10 acres? I don't have to, actually. That's uh, That's up to you. Because it's facing you. Yeah, but it divides our property. And you just paid somebody to uh, paint the rest of your fence, and you didn't paint the inside that I look at. That was an actual dispute, believe it or not. And on and on and on. I don't get into it. I, I'm pretty live and let live. I, I, I don't really care. But but the reason that we got to have an HOA, and we've had meetings about this. We've had an, at our HOA meetings, we're like, you know what, can we just get rid of this HOA? And every time it was like, it's going to cost a lot of money to do that legally. There's going to be problems then about what is then the controlling authority amongst our different homes here. And you could have a guy buy the house next to yours, even though you're on 10 acres, he's on 10 acres, and open a dirt bike academy. And next thing you know, and he's doing dirt bike jumps over the 10 acres and you know, put lights up and who knows what else. And they're right. They could. You know, you can always say, well, you wouldn't buy a property on a nice paved cul-de-sac that's got only a couple of houses. You wouldn't do that, you know, you'd spend less money to go build your dirt bike academy in the woods. Maybe you would, or maybe not. But this is over a meadow, and it does seem a bit extreme because, hell, they mow four acres of this six-acre property. The back part of it, which is really surrounded by trees and not really visible to anybody, uh, is meadow. And meadow is a fancy word for weeds, you know, waist-high weeds. And I know butterflies and nature and everything else, but it's just jungle. It's not necessarily attractive. And and all these environmental arguments, well, it's it's providing a habitat for, for animals. Trust me, the animals have enough of this shit in western Loudoun County. There's other meadows everywhere else. They don't, the monarch butterflies don't need, the, the monarch butterflies are saying, well, we have monarch butterflies in our meadow. Yeah, you're not the only 1.6 acre tract of land that has pretty butterflies. If, if at all possible, if you get into an HOA dispute, you better work it out before going to court because nobody's going to win otherwise. All right, time to talk to my brother from another mother. Jay Cottrell, a man who has successfully escaped the soul-sucking clutches of Sports Talk Radio and is enjoying what we call the Summer of Jay. Hello, Jay. Hello, the Summer of Jay, day four. (laughs) Summer of Jay. And how is the Summer of Jay going? What are you doing to fill your hours as you wait to start your new gig as the communications director for... I don't think director. I'm the only person, so... I, don't, I guess I can call myself director. Well, what are you? Communications person. That's it. For? Uh, Delegate April Rose from Carroll County. Very nice. Cleaning up Carroll County one street corner at a time. <laughs> <laughs> How is Carroll County these days? I have no idea. I'll be out there Friday, so I'll let you know. Well, you better get up to speed, man. Come on. That's true. Better get up to speed on your job. So you're waiting uh, because you don't start until the end of uh, August? No, so eight, uh, September 4th is my okay. start date. So you got nothing to do. Your days are wide open. What are you doing? Well, well, I was going to 
I, I'm glad you called. <laughs> I have to. I've got a crabgrass, Zabin, and I know you're the oh, king of fuck. all. How do I get rid of it, bro? I got crabgrass. You got crabgrass. Everybody in the Mid-Atlantic has crabgrass. Here's how it works. So July got hotter than shit and didn't rain, right? Right. All the grass went dormant. Everything went brown. And then Mother Nature decided to start pissing on us for about a week and a half straight. That made the weeds in the hot with no other grass to compete with it. It made the crabgrass and every other weed under the sun say, Oh, party time. And they came out in force. There's no stopping it. The only thing stopping it is the winter cycle when the first frost hits and the weeds die out and the cool season grasses thrive again and we get to April and then your lawn's going to look good again April and May and then come June, it's a rocket sled to Shitsville in the mid-Atlantic. I wish I had better news, my friend, but I don't. I mean, all of a sudden, like, well... I mean, you can, listen... Don't get me wrong. Sorry to cut you off there, but let me just finish my thought here. You can. You can fight it. You can uh, put applications on it. Uh, you can do what you can to treat it uh, and to try to get your, your your grass growing. What kind of grass do you have? Do you have Kentucky Blue? You got Bent? You got uh, Tall Fescue? What do you got? Not going to lie. No effing clue. Not going to lie. Just grass. Okay. So you probably got a mix of stuff like most of us. Uh, you know, unless you're a golf course, even golf courses, Jay, they fight it around these parts this time of year. It's very tough. But I, okay, here's my, pro- I have uh, a stone walkway. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's separated. And in between the separations, Are it's weeds. a bunch of, yeah. right. And I, I well, I, you, like, need, you need roundup for that, bro. You need some weed kill for that. All right. I'll yeah. get that tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Get, there, see, see, there you go, Jay. Now you got something to do tomorrow. That ought to take up half an hour getting to the store and back, <laughs> maybe 40 minutes if you take your time spritzing it. I mean, your Wednesday, your Tuesday's filling up quick. <laughs> well, I do have to mow. I do have to edge. So that's another two hours. So oh my God. I, got a, I got a full day. You know, everyone has their different visions of hell. If you are a Christian, and you believe in the concept of heaven and hell. My vision of hell is either one of two things, Jay. It is either you moving all of your possessions from one house to another, unloading, unboxing, and as soon as you get the last salt shaker out of a box and you're like, okay, I'm all set up, the devil appears and says, pack it all up, we're moving again, and then you got to box everything up. And go somewhere else. And that goes on for eternity. That's one vision of hell. The other vision of hell is an endless acreage of weeds that you have to string trim with a string trimmer and replace the string and get it all clogged. Ugh. It's the worst, isn't it? I've got a a third rung. Okay. There's a third vision of hell. Jay's vision of hell. This could be a recurring bit, by the way. What is your vision of hell? Because I've given you two. So my brother and I have been slowly but surely getting stuff out of my mom's house. Right. And my mother, God love her, and I'm yes. sure they're having a great chat in heaven. Yes. But she kept, she's, she wasn't a pack wreck. Not quite kept, a hoarder, but close. Not, not, a hoard, not a hoarder at all, but, but there, close. Are, yeah. there are, in, she has four or five closets, nothing but clothes. One closet, and I'm not lying, 
I believe it's 72 church hats. Oh my word. And I, I, a couple of friends of mine came over and we like, I don't know what to do with these. You can't throw them away. Why I not? Don't, I don't. They're shoot. your grandma's church hats. Can you give them away to Goodwill? Okay. I think Purple Heart might take those, right? Don't they do that? Goodwill, Purple Heart, somebody. You know, there's probably another sweet church lady that would be like, oh, look at this hat. It's so lovely. But going through that is it's church hats. I believe her and Imelda Marcos were in a war of shoes. She has about <laughs> 200 pairs of shoes. It's like, good Lord, I never saw you wear this stuff. But she's got shoes and hats. So. God bless her. That's God tough. That's tough because you don't want to just go in there and uh, rummage for cash and jewelry and then throw the rest away. It feels kind of, you know, disrespectful yeah. to Ma. But I was this, going through her I was yeah. going through her jewelry and I'm like, look at this. Look, what's all this stuff? And then I found a little knickknack that she had. It, it was a it was a pendlet with a picture of little Jake Trell in third grade. And I was <gasps> like, oh God. Wow. So I can't I can't get rid of any of this stuff. But that's the third run going through all this stuff. And I haven't even started with the addict. So oh that, 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 that could be an adventure. Oh boy. Okay. All right, that said, you know, another thing to fill up your day on Tuesday is to go back and rewatch Ray Lewis's Hall of Fame induction speech. <laughs> rewatch. I watched it that day and I watched it the next day. It was <laughs> it, it was almost as good as the other Chappelle show. They gave he him did. a wireless mic. Of course they gave him a wireless mic. They weren't gonna pin him down behind a podium. You can't do that to number fifty two. Oh, so, was, all right, so what did you think of it? Because, boy, did it ramble. It covered a lot of ground. It made some, I'd say, highly debatable claims, such as the crime rate in Baltimore when Ray you. Lewis played. That is a lie. First of all, <laughs> when he could, the crime stopper, that is a out-and-out lie, and I'm, I'm going to call it now on your podcast. The crime stopper moniker was given to a basketball player about six years ago Named Akil Carr. I don't know if you remember this kid. He was like five eight. I but he remember had, Akil Carr. Yes, yeah, but he had an incredible mixtape. He was awesome, and his nickname was the Crime Stopper. But all of a sudden, Ray Lewis had that before he did. That is that is such a piece of crap. Stop it. Okay, not true. So, so you don't I'll believe that? Lie. No. By the way, uh, the Deadspin, whether you hate him or not, uh, I don't know where you stand. I like Deadspin. Dead okay, I like Deadspin. All right, Deadspin. <laughs> They're under their headline, Ray Lewis's Hall of Fame speech was actual frothing madness. Yes. And they yes, go it through was. it. They go through it like uh, part by part. Uh, one dash eight, uh, a minute 18 to 320 numerology. Lewis opened with a disjointed and alarmingly incoherent bit of numerology having to do with the set number seven and its jersey <laughs> number. That's right. And Super Bowl 47 and Super Bowl. Uh, 37, et cetera, et cetera. So there was that. Dancing for God was another one uh, in which you would talk about a signature pregame dance. The squirrel. Uh, introducing the kids was another section where, uh, you know, he would do it uh, to say, look at, you know, my kids and all that. He's got and, a lot of them. <laughs> and on and on. I mean, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Thompson writing for Deadspin says the following, it was full throated, aggressively self aggrandizing performance of soaring virtue. I am a man who loves hard work. 
I am a man who loves his fellow man. I am a man who loves his mother. I am a man who loves his children. I am a man who feels gratitude. And most often, I am a man who loves God. 34 minutes of this delivered in Lewis's rasping growl. It's an awful lot to take on this or any other day, but here it is. And then he goes on to lay it all out. But this is what we expected, Jay, from Ray Lewis, right? I like I, I said I took I I said over fifteen and I said I'm taking over twenty seven and boy was I right yeah exactly so that said what do you make of Ray Lewis who is Ray Lewis for real and is the Ray Lewis pre Cobalt Lounge different Ooh. from the post Cobalt Lounge Ray Lewis I remember when I was a morning show producer in Baltimore for a highly successful show we would have nights at clubs and i would see this is 99 2000 and i would see ray out at events all his boys table full of women but then after the cobalt he stopped going out so pre-cobalt pre-cobalt he was out and about after that he was in the ray lewis lair Watching game tape, I believe. That's what they all tell us. Okay. So so that obviously that near brush with lifetime incarceration really changed him. It it, it got him on the straight and narrow. Has has there ever been a turnaround for someone as for someone like Ray Lewis who was charged with a cover up? Could have been out of the league, and then all of a sudden now he was he's the darling. He didn't oh. go to Disneyland. Right. I believe that he was the first. Trent Dilfer did, and it was like, what yeah. are you doing here? Well, I'm the quarterback. You had but, the least amount to do with this Super Bowl win, but whatever. But but nobody's image has turned around like Ray Lewis. I can't think of anyone else. Well, okay. His image, I don't know what his image is. It, it, you know, everyone's image of Ray Lewis depends on the lenses. He's got a statue in Baltimore. It's pretty good here. No, I don't doubt that. Although I think it was always going to be that. I guess what I'm saying is, depends on who you ask. I mean, it's not like he's endorsing anything major. That's true. That's true. Deion Sanders is endorsing uh, Golden Corral. He don't have that. <laughs> right. Uh, so he's not, en- he's not really endorsable as a figure. But he can be hired by broadcasts and broadcast networks. And he, he can walk in what I call polite, civil football company he is not shunned just like Kobe Bryant is amazingly not shunned in polite civil company just like A-Rod is not shunned in polite civil company all people that you would think be like hey fuck him we're not going to give him the time of day because he's not a good person now Ray Lewis may have become a good person but he was undisputably a bad person that night uh that that all went down agreed have we found nobody has still found the, the mink white coat? coat no, it? that's it. That's an amazing bit of garbage disposal, isn't it? The mink coat and the guy who jumped out of the airplane in Seattle. Those. They, <laughs> what guy who what jumped was, out of the airplane? DB Sweeney. DB Sweeney. Right? They they just had Jay. They just had they they said they just solved the DB Sweeney mystery recently. Okay, all right. I'm, I guess I'm. Oh, you with me still? Jay, you with me there? I'm with you. Oh, I'm sorry here. about that. It cut out for a second. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, not D.B. Sweeney. No, you're right. No. Uh, D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. Yeah. D.B. Sweeney played an eight-man out, played Joe Jackson. 
Wow, there you go. I knew there must have. And Michael Sweetney <laughs> used to play at Georgetown, but that's not a Sweeney I, nor a DB. Michael Sweetney was over my house about a month ago. That's right. Uh, this was actually from 2016. The last time anyone saw D.B. Cooper, he parachuted out of a Mexico City-bound airplane with 200000 in ransom, strapped to his body, vanishing over the Pacific Northwest and initiating one of America's greatest manhunts. 45 years later, the FBI is closing the books. Uh, they believe that uh, they got the guy, or they know the, who the guy was. I can't Okay. I can't find it. They know the guy's name, but okay, whatever. Back to Ray Lewis. So, sorry. So anyway, so, so, so this Ray Lewis, you know, a lot of people say that he, you know, he's hiding behind religion and he's full of shit and everything else, but is he doing good stuff on the streets of Baltimore? I'm not going to say he, he had after the riots, he was front and center after the riots. I will say that. I just don't know how genuine, Ray Lewis is. That's my only question. He might I'm be. I'm not sure anyone knows that. I, I right. hear a lot of "I'm doing this, I'm doing that," but I, I mean, I I haven't seen it. But again, that's just my opinion, and opinions are like what everybody says. Assholes. Everyone so, has one, and, they, and most of them stink. <laughs> but I mean, everybody talks about what a great leader he was. You know his his pregame talks. Joe Flacco, though, this is why I love Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco <laughs> said. Yeah, Ray talks a lot during pregame, but half the stuff he says makes no sense. <laughs> well, sure, but you just go with it if you're on the team, right? I guess you have to because you got to be in the Ray Lewis camp if you want to succeed. That said, man, he was a hell of a fucking football player, huh? One of the best linebackers, middle linebackers I've ever seen. I, it might be that I've seen. I didn't see Buckus. You know, Joe Green was not – I mean, not Joe Green um, – Oh my God! Ray Lewis oh. was a relentless, high motor, sideline to sideline, sideline to sideline. Yeah, play awesome, play erasing human missile. That guy <laughs> could tackle. He wasn't one of these guys that wanted to try to hit dudes and jack them up. He was a born tackler. He used to kill Eddie George when the Titans and the Ravens would play. There was a playoff game where I believe he single handedly took Eddie George out of the game. With wow. one hit, wow. he was he was awesome, and it went like when he was like twenty nine to thirty three. There was nobody better, nobody better. One of the great games of all time, and it was a bitter pill for Raven fans, was the Peyton Manning Colts Ravens playoff game at M and T Bank Stadium, in which I think the Colts won without scoring a touchdown. Wasn't it like eighteen to sixteen or something like that? Sixteen, thirteen, something like that. And Six- Peyton Lewis, Peyton would just check out. Yep. He would see what they were doing, check out. It was, that was a great game. Peyton Manning, that was a great, yeah. Peyton Manning spent four quarters of throwing checkdowns and checkouts and just he would bide his time. He'd be like, and he didn't even try for any big plays because the Ravens' defense was so stifling that you didn't have more than two, three-step drops and two and a half seconds to unload it. And he basically, Peyton Manning, surgically picked around that defense for 60 minutes and you got and, and they and they beat that Raven team and I just remember all the Raven fans being so pissed like I can't believe that he fucking beat us like that. And the Raven defense they never not never they hardly ever blitz. Tony Saragusa said they play cover two under cover two over, and that was it. That was yeah. it. They didn't blitz because they knew that the Peyton TV would beat them on a blitz, down, right? And you couldn't run, right? So there was nothing you could really do. Yeah. 
All right, so Ray Lewis was that. Uh, what else did you did you uh, like any of those speeches from the uh, week? Do you did you watch on on Saturday Night Live? I did. I like Brian Dawkins when he said that he thought he thought about killing himself. Suicide. Yeah, I bet that was I, whoa. I bet the NFL execs there in the Hall of Fame was doing the like the throat cut motion, like na na we're not going to talk about that tonight. I'm surprised they didn't have they didn't have Oscar music. All right, thank you. That's the Carol for that music too. Thank you. Wow, Jay, you're good. You're good. You're good. Right, actually, pretty good. I can pretty good. I can sing it well enough that you would actually recognize it. Give me give me a little dap for that because I'm normally I give you dap for that one. I give you dap for that one. Yeah. So so you watched it all. Who? Gary Kramer. Also, awesome. Oh, I Kramer was awesome. Cra- all day. Right. Well, Kramer was great because he spent so much time on the rubber chicken circuit after he retired honing these stories. So he was obviously great when he got to unspool them in front of a big audience. Erlocker stunk. He, he couldn't have been more dull if he tried. But hey, not and, everyone's dynamic, right? And are you really sure that Erlocker belongs in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I kind of think so. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I haven't dug into the, the specifics. He was pretty fucking good for a long time. Okay. But, All right. Um, I, just had, I just had to go. Airlock, great play, Hall of Really Good or Hall of Fame? That's what. Uh, you know, that's a whole debate. How about this? T.O. or Randy Moss? Who was better? Oh, without a doubt, Randy Moss. Why? Randy Moss, he would be double teamed and still make catches. He changed. He changed Minnesota Viking football in one season. Okay. He was un he was unguardable. T.O. didn't he have what was it the most drops ever? He was a T.O. was a dropper early, and then when he caught the game winning touchdown against Green Bay, and you had the great call, Owens, 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 he caught it, Owens, and he's crying. He's got his helmet off and he's crying. That was a big turning point because yeah, he dropped everything in sight. Yet that one pass to win the game in a playoff spot, he caught it. I liked him both. How about this? Forget who was better. And I'll grant you, I bet Moss probably was better. I'm not going to look up the numbers. I liked them both. Like, at times, both guys sort of wore me out a bit. But over time, in the long view of football history, I came to like both those assholes. I I mean, T.O.'s Super Bowl, which we didn't attend, but we were there. Yeah, that was one of the great all-time performances ever. Do you remember that week down there in Jacksonville? We kept going to the pressers and hearing everything like, nah, it's not looking good, didn't practice, probably not going to be able to play, probably not going to be able to play. And then there was game time, boom. He played and he was great. On on, on a, a, what, broken or a torn Achilles? They said it was a broken ankle, broken leg, severely sprained leg, Achilles something. It was a... It was a fucked up ankle, and he found a way to get it done. And it was the same Super Bowl that fat ass McFlab puked on his shoes because he was that out of shape in the fourth quarter. That was and- the big contrast right there. Here's a guy in TO that reportedly, this is a story I think Galdi once gave me. Of course, Galdi would, Mr. Health Nut. He said that after a game in Tokyo one year, because the Niners played there, it might have been against the Redskins. You know, remember that Tokyo exhibition game they used to play? Yes. <laughs> and by the way, tackle football Jay in Tokyo now has gone crazy. There's an entire 30 team league because of those games that we once played over there in the Oh wait a minute, I'm just getting this in. What's that? Oh, oh no, oh no, no, it has it. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> so in other words, it was a big waste of time, but somebody got paid. So the year that the Redskins beat Mariucci and the Niners was Spurrier, and Spurrier threw the ball like 57 times in Tokyo. Or no, not, not Tokyo, Osaka. Osaka. That game, when flying home, apparently the only food coming home from Osaka on the Niners team plane was pizza. And because T.O. was so focused on his nutrition, he didn't eat anything until they oh. got home to San Francisco. That's the rumor. Oh, such a better man than me. <laughs> no kidding. Imagine that. You've just played a football game. You're starving. You get on the plane, team plane to go home. And you're like, what do we got? Pizza. Well, we got different flavors. No, man, I got to eat clean. I got to get a salmon maybe or any uh, braised uh, vegetables. No, T.O., we got pizza. Fuck it. I'll wait. I'll, go- I'll, I'll wait till we land. Well, it's going to be 18 hours. Yeah, I'll just take a nap. Al Galdi still has the greatest streak ever. He's how old is Al? What thirty oh, five now? Man, it, he f- might be pressing forty. I don't know. Okay, thirty five probably. I'm guaranteeing you, he still has never eaten a Seven Eleven big bite. <laughs> he's he, is he, he proud of he that streak? I, I I'm I just found that for a guy who you know Galdi Galdi would go out and, and party. That was the greatest. Come home and eat something. Oh, Go to 7-Eleven yeah. for a hot dog. Galdi never ate that. That's yeah. a great streak. Right. If it's on the rollers, you know it's got to be healthy. So just take oh. it right off the roller. Doesn't matter how long it's been on the roller. Just take it off, put it in a bun, I'll eat it. Okay, so so T.O., uh, here's another fun fact. I think you were. I think I called you first. I think I called you first driving home from work one night when T.O. did the Sharpie thing. In Seattle, <laughs> yeah, because I, I was watching that. Yes, that was, was that right? Awesome. That yes. I think you called me because I had just left, and I think you said you're not. Are you watching this? I go, no, I just got in my car, and you said you're not going to fucking believe it, <laughs> right? That, Do you remember that? I remember that. With that was, I like to rank his. The, the, the Sharpie was great. The pom poms with the cheerleaders at San Francisco that was a great one. Uh, the, the star. The, the star, the star. When it, but remember the one he caught the pop. He he caught the uh, popcorn. Touchdown, the, and popcorn then the popcorn pour was that great because they that caught was a great that, one too. Because there's a lot of good photos of that. His whole face mask is filled up with popcorn, and and there's like slow motion shots of it pouring over him. But let's go back to the sharpie, okay? Yes. That do you remember how outrageous an act that was at the time? There was. If that was Twitter, that would have blown up Twitter. Exactly. It was considered. We had we have had showboating wide receivers in the NFL for a long time. But this was like, holy shit. He pulled a, a pen out of his sock and he autographed a hot, fresh touchdown football. And the answer is yes. Yes, he did. That is awesome right there. Awesome. Was that before Joe Horn and the cell phone? Way before. Way before Joe oh. Horn was like, oh, okay. And then the race was on to try to top it. And that's when the league, you know, and the Killjoys said, oh, we got to get our arms around this. I remember that that moment, the Sharpie moment, was one of the great hot take buffaloes in sports radio in my entire career. For days and weeks after that, People couldn't stop talking about it with sharply divided opinions, many of whom said, ah, come on, what's the big deal? Other people who thought it, it was like the end of sportsmanship as we know it. 
It's still one of the best viewing experiences ever. It was, oh my God, did you see what just happened? And yeah. everybody called everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, and I know I called you because I, I clutched pearls. I couldn't believe, I can't <laughs> believe what I just saw. Oh my, oh my, I can't believe this. He pulled a <laughs> I pen got, from it. I got the vapors, yes. Now, it's not the greatest football moment of pulling something from a sock in history. You know what is, right? Happened in Ooh. a movie, right? Uh-oh, wait didn't, a minute. Didn't didn't somebody in, was it the last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis? Yes, shot the guy. Yes, a football player pulled a gun out of a sock and yeah, shot which, a guy by the, the way, field. It could still happen today. I'm waiting for that to happen. <laughs> shut up, man. <laughs> with, with this with this Vegas gambling, Zabe, somebody's going to be in too deep. I'm <laughs> All right, let's take some calls right here on the Zabe cast. Uh, the 800-777-ZABE. <laughs> Who's the of all the current NFL players? Who's the most likely to pull a gun out of his pants and shoot a player on the field? We'll take your calls right now, <laughs> or we'll, or hit us on the text line. Yeah, I, the answer would be like either Pac Man Jones or Vontez Perfect, one of the two. Wait, did you see Pac Man Jones's fight in the airport? I did. Let's talk about that, Jay. Let's break oh. that one down right there. First of all. It seems like he was the innocent one, that he just wanted to get through Hartsfield unmolested, and some asshole decided to run his mouth. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to have to fight you now. Did you see it that way? I saw it that way, but what I got took from it is there was not one clean punch thrown in that whole exchange, but yet the guy who started it went down like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> They were just flailing like two they really were. school girls. They really were. But, you know, what are you going to do? I love how the guy's got, he's got a work vest on, you know? <laughs> he was like tossing luggage for Delta, and he was on a break, and he sees Pac-Man, he's probably, you know, a, a Steeler fan, and decides to run his mouth. Next thing you know, it's on. <laughs> so he got his ass whipped and probably got fired. I would hope he got fired. Yes. All in three minutes. Yeah. Can you imagine that meeting with the worker? Uh, yeah. See, uh, <laughs> we have sort of a, sort problem, of a problem here. here. See, uh, we, we can't have you fighting passengers on the concourse during your break. See, uh, we allow you up to access the food areas of the uh, airport, but only as a courtesy. We can't have this. Has that been, was that the most exciting thing of the off season? I don't remember anything else. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that. But still, that was a pretty good one. So wait. All right. So back to T.O. Do we close the book on T.O.? Where did you stand ultimately on him skipping the ceremony? Good, bad, indifferent? That was crap. Crap. A lot of – look, Jerry Kramer, who I thought was in the Hall of Fame, had to wait forever. Yeah, I know. And just because he didn't get first ballot, he whined like a bitch and said, I'm going to have my ceremony at UT Chattanooga. Come on. Stop. That's he, why everybody hates you. This is why. You're feeding the beast. I don't hate him. I like T.O. I don't hate That's him. I just like him highly. Man. Okay, Randy, who do you like more? I was going to get to this. Who do you like more? Who do you like less, T.O. or Randy Moss? Oh, I love Randy Moss. You love, love Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. Rand, love Randy U- Moss. Rand University. Straight cash, Great. homie. Love Randy Moss. Oh, Even except, though, when he went, except when he went to the Patriots. I was scared to death. Uh, those, him and Brady together was scary. Well, it was unfair. It was yes, it was. Xbox yes. Madden cheat code unfair. Yes. 
And how much credit do you give Belichick and the Patriots for pretty much turning around a, you know, a recalcitrant Moss who had come from Oakland? It looked like Randy Moss's career was going to bleed out after that unfortunate unfortunate stint in Oakland. And here come the Patriots to pick up a dirty penny and shine it up and do something great with it. I Randy Moss he's probably in my top 3 or 4 wide receivers to watch of all time. I loved watching Randy Moss. Favorite Randy Moss highlight go. I remember a game in Dallas where he was double covered and uh Randall Cunningham just threw a fade and he jumped over like two people and came down with it. And I was like, "Jesus, that is unfair." That was a good one. I think you're talking about the Thanksgiving Day game in which he had three yes, touchdowns. Yes. Yes. How about the one left sideline catches it, stutter steps, tricks a DB for the Cowboys into slowing up for a quick second, cuts to the outside, tight ropes the sideline, and goes in for the touchdown. Oh, and that, that whole team, you had Jake Reed, Chris Carter, Jake Reed. and Randy Moss. Oh, <laughs> Jake Reed was great. Jake, Jake Reed, Reed really was everybody's fourth-round fantasy pick, their B receiver. <laughs> They're like, I got Jake Reed in the fourth round, man. I, this is such a steal. Like, you're unbelievable. And, and yet, it, yet they didn't win shit. Didn't go to the but, Super Bowl well, with them. Thank you, Gary G- Anderson. Gary Anderson, bitch. yes. Can't, can't blame him. Robert, Robert, uh, Robert Smith was the running back, too. Yeah, exactly. All right, but how about this? Okay, for as much of a pain in the ass as T.O. was, Randy Moss walked off the field in Washington and at the Meadowlands in the playoffs with time left on the clock. That's true. And and there were DBs who said you could tell where Randy was not getting the ball because he would not run the route. Do you remember Randy Moss as a Titan at the very end? Oh, God. Oh, God. I know it's hard to believe, right? No, He's, I do. I I barely remember him as a as a Raider. I don't remember anything great. Yeah, I got his where, grid where right careers in front go of to die. No. Yeah, uh, Tennessee. This was in his age thirty three season, as Galdi likes to say. Uh, played for Tennessee. He started eight games, had six catches for eighty yards, no touchdowns. Was he injured at the end? It was. It had to be because. It couldn't have been from from lack of talent. He had to be injured. He actually, okay, so he played for three teams in 2010, according to Pro Football Reference. In at, at 32 years old, he played for New England, started all 16 games, had 83 catches for a buck, uh, 83 catches for 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns. That was not the bomb year of 07 where they went 18 and one. He had get this 2007 season. Care to take a stab at Randy Moss's catches? And touchdowns? I want to say I'm going to over 14, 15 touchdowns? Uh, let's go with the catches first, then we'll get to the touchdowns. Oh, God. 70 catches? 98 catches. Oh, my God. Oh, God. 98 <laughs> catches for 1,493 yards or a 15-yard per catch average. And 23 touchdowns okay all right all right how is that all right for sick in in their prime who would you take t.o or randy moss t.o i mean i'm sorry super no no randy moss randy moss okay randy moss randy moss randy moss randy moss uh the oakland years were forgettable he only caught 60 and 42 balls yeah 
And this was at, and that was in, in 16 and 13 games. He played 13 games for the Vikings at age 27 his last year, only caught 49 balls, even though he had 13 touchdowns. But he only had 11 touchdowns total in two years in Oakland and was coming up on 30, and everyone thought he was done. And he goes to New England, and they do what they do. Pretty impressive. Have you seen the Rand University documentary? I did. Phenomenal. If I would have, if he would have played at Florida State, good lord, that would have been something else. Phenomenal documentary, a little bit creepy, really makes you understand more about where he comes from, right? Yes. I mean, wasn't wasn't Rand University the back of the Seven Eleven? Yeah, Rand, West Virginia. They hang out. It used to be good. They go sit there and talk about what they did in high school. Right. Right, and it was just getting in fights. Doing drugs, getting their girlfriends pregnant in in fucking West Virginia. <laughs> in West Virginia. No offense, most... West, no offense, West Virginia. We love you. <laughs> Do we really? I'll be excited. <laughs> Wild and wonderful. That's what the license plates say, Jay. West Virginia. <laughs> oh God. Does it doesn't it suck though that these two guys and, and the really the whole class? We're old enough, Jay, that we remember these guys' entire careers, and it's like it was yesterday. And like, now they're going they into retire? the Hall of Fame. You remember them coming in? You go, God, now I feel really old. Yes. Do you remember it's... Do you remember who was taken ahead of Randy Moss by the Titans in uh, coming out of the draft? Good receiver, but not nearly what Randy Moss turned out to be. He was, involved, Kevin Johnson. He was involved in the Music City Miracle. Oh, uh, Dyson? Yes. Dyson went ahead of Randy Moss one spot. He was not bad, but he wasn't Randy Moss. Wasn't Randy Moss, indeed. And T.O. was drafted a whole lot later. So, there you go. Okay, uh, what else do you want to talk about here real quick before we get – do you have an FTG for today or you want to take a week off? Oh, no, I got an FTG, and, and you, you, you will all. like okay. my FTG, yes. Okay, all right, before we get to that, uh, what else do you want to hit on here? There's nothing real. Oh, well, no, you don't know. I could get geeky and talk about the Red Sox Yankees and how funny it was that the Red Sox went, or Bitched the Yankees them. yeah, went up there and pounded their heads in <laughs> for four games. I know. Because my, my dad is a huge, huge – my dad's probably the biggest Yankee fan ever. And he didn't really want to take any calls for those four days. I found that quite funny. The uh, The lead was five and a half, I believe, by the Red Sox. And it was no, big, it's nine and a half. Right. Yeah. It was a big four-game set, and they're like – we're going up there. We're going to cut into this shit. And the next thing you know, okay, now we're playing for the wild card. Got I, it. I do have a question for you. So this Redskin, my cousins are huge Redskins fans. They live in Virginia. Send, them my, no send them my condolences. Go ahead. But they live in Richmond, and they said that it wasn't a really big turnout for the training camp in Richmond. What happened? Why would it be? But Have that you... was like a big deal. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never been down there. But that was their thing. They would go down and spend like uh, a week or three days there. And they say, oh, my God, I loved it. What? But nobody went there this year. What happened to that? Okay, here's what happened. Dan Snyder decided, hey, I got a city that is a sucker, and they'll pay us five hundred grand a year to come do training camp down there. So money, 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 I'll take it. And, you know, they have basic facilities that they practice in, but nothing great. They don't even have a bubble. So all these rain days we've had the last, you know, since camp opened, 
They've had to cancel practices. You know, like 22 out of 32 NFL teams have an indoor facility at their training camp, wherever that is. Actually, I think 22 of the 32, tra- they train at home, which the Redskins should do. So that's number one. Like, if you're trying to prepare for the season, don't you want to not miss practices? In theory? Oh, hold on a second. I don't know why you cut it. Hold on. Let me. We'll take this out in post-production, as we like to say here, which means we're not going to take it out in post-production. You got me, Jay? Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Boy, I got I to gotta invest in a better setup here for this podcast setup. This is really pissing me off. All right, you back with me now? I'm still with you. All right, good. You're there. Yeah, so that's number one. Number two is the training facility is in the middle of an urbanized area. Or you would like to, well, some, was, some call it the hood. It's not, no, it's not that it's a bad part of town, but it's urban. It's, it's, it's concrete. It's buildings, Jay. Do you know how hot it gets going two hours south in August? To Richmond, oh, it's pretty Virginia. Hot. Yeah, I, I do that drive often. Yeah, okay. The ninety-five to yeah, All right. uh, Richmond. Yeah, you, you know how much hotter it is in the middle of a heat island effect of being in the concrete jungle of the city. Yeah, really hot. Yes. Yeah. What other team do you know in the NFL that trains in the middle of like the Raiders are in Oxnard, California? It's beautiful. Or I no, I'm sorry. I think the Cowboys are in Cowboys Oxnard, California. Oxnard. Yeah, beautiful Southern California mountains, oceans not too far away. Seattle, you see, you see in pictures of Seattle's training facilities on Puget Sound. Beautiful. We're in the middle of downtown Richmond. Now look, nothing against Richmond people or the city because I have a lot of listeners down there, a lot of listeners of the podcast. God bless you. But basically, this is a money grab, and several city councilmen have said we are not doing this deal again. But Snyder and the Redskins want to extend it and redo it, even though they said to Richmond, they're like, oh, you get all this tax receipts. Like, you're going to get a surge of Redskin fans that sw- that that swarm down there to watch the team practice. Right. What Washingtonian's going to say, you know what I'm up for? I-95 in rush hour. That's a great idea. Stupid. Well, so that's well, maybe- why attendance has been poor. The first year they did it was 2012 when RG3 was a rookie. That was lucky. It's been downhill ever since. Well, maybe with all the money from the radio sale, he can invest in a bubble at the training facility. Oh, okay. That's oh. a little, little too close to home, Jay. I'm which is sorry. why we're going to play. Out loud? I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> which is why you're my fuck that guy for today. Here we go. Quiet, please. I'm Quiet. I'm a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Jay, your FTG for the week is? Well, Zabin, like uh, like you, I am a dog lover, and every Sunday my dog and I like to go to the dog park and walk. I'm a dog owner. I'm not a dog lover. You're d- okay. Well, there <laughs> I is do. A big- I love my dog, but I'm a I know you do. I saw the picture. Oh. And there's what a big think? sign that says, all dogs must be on a leash. But there's always somebody there who thinks his dog is special and he has his dog off the leash and then wonders why I yell, hey, why isn't your dog on a leash, idiot, and gets mad at me for yelling at him? Dude, it's a sign. So the guy who can't keep his dog on a leash, that's that guy. Put your dog on a leash. Everybody else does. I know I'm going to violate my own rules, which was try not to do 
prototype FTGs and include real specific people. But, I, you know, sometimes prototypes are even better because they come up time and time again. And they are very annoying. My FTG for the week is the side stander. You're in line somewhere, Jay. Who knows where? The airport, at the grocery store, at the convenience store. Everyone's queued up nicely, one in front of the other, just like the Brits like to queue up. And that the guy behind you, he's make or the woman, it's usually a woman, an older woman, she insists on flanking you, invisible sight, right up against you, but off to the side as if, hey, I'm right on your ass here. If you, if you don't move up I- immediately, I'm going to pass you like Dale Earnhardt on the back straightaway. I'm like, what is that about? I almost, and I don't like to start shit like this, but I almost feel like turning to the person going, oh, you're you're doing this right. You're right up on me there. That's good side standing there. You're really, you could maybe pass me in a second here. Good job by you. So to every side stander out there, F you. I, I think somebody could do a deep dive psychological study, Jay on the phenomenon of side standing why people do it what fears are they overcompensating for and a whole bunch of other phenomenon don't you agree it's the this is at the grocery store right is that what you're anywhere pretty much any okay, well. any line you're in when somebody side stands you from behind it's so funny it's like what are you doing you're not getting ahead of me and you don't need to be standing within my eye shot to my left or am I right? Well, let me ask you this. Does that person bug you more than the person in the 10 items or less line uh, who has 13 to 14 <laughs> and expects me not to count and go, what are you doing in the line? I, uh, I wish I could I generally let that go. I let that oh. go because guess what? I have as many people wave me through when I only have four things and they've got 10 or more. Uh, you know, Good does tend to prevail. Jay, I gotta go, man. I, I love you. I'll take I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Bye-bye. We'll end with this today. Unless you are from DC and have rooted for the skins your whole life and are of a certain age, you have no idea, no idea how stunning this story is. Scott Allen writing in the Washington Post for the DC Sports Bog section. Under the headline, with no more waiting list, the Redskins are advertising single-game tickets, <gasps> including tickets available for the Redskins' home opener week two against Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts on September 16th. This is stunning. I'm telling you, this is stunning. In theory... The Redskins, even though they've been mediocre for quite some time now, with a new quarterback in Alex Smith, who is a certified, bona fide, good quarterback. He had the highest passer rating in the league last year. A new quarterback in town, second week of the season, against an opponent with a marquee quarterback, an opponent in the Colts who are a rare visit because they're not a division opponent. Weather, eh, probably be pretty hot September, but, you know, September's a good month. This game, home opener, should be sold out already. 
and it's not. Because as Scott Allen writes, it's a new era in Landover, one in which Redskins are now advertising single-game general admission tickets for sale instead of continuing their long-running claim of a season ticket waiting list and a resulting lack of inventory. The subject of an email to the Redskins that the Redskins sent to their subscriber list on Monday, not a waiting list, but a subscriber list, includes links to purchase tickets to all eight regular season home games at FedEx Field. So none of them were sold out. Single-game tickets now available. The Redskins had previously, writes Allen, occasionally advertised single-game tickets, but they claim those seats only became available due to visiting team ticket returns. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket, Tommy Flanagan. That's it. Yeah, they, they returned that tickets. In June, the Skins admitted the mythical waiting list to purchase season tickets had, was no longer, even though they once claimed it was as long as many as 2,000. 200,000 names. We've been through this, me and Andy, on the Zabecast. I'm sure you've heard it. This is still stunning, though. Stunning, though. Even though though the Redskins have removed seats from FedEx Field at least three times now, between 2010 and 2015, and guess what they did again this winter? Ooh, do you know? Removed more seats. The Redskins decided to take a significant amount, their words, quote-unquote significant amount of obstructed view, lower-level seats off the market. They were sometimes referred to as cave seats, well under the overhangs and with sometimes partially obstructed views. Said Jake By, B-Y-E, we identified a lot of seats in those areas, and they were being resold or at a high volume of visiting team fans. So when you take that out of the mix, that really helps preserve the value of our tickets for our season ticket holders. Oh, it! Sorry. It's very uh, dusty in here. Yeah, maybe there's opposing fans in the so-called cave seats. But I can tell you there have always been, at least in the last five to ten years, a lot of opposing fans in plain view In the lower bowl, Giant fans, Eagle fans, Cowboy fans, Viking Viking fans. Last time the Vikings were here, I think we were all stunned. Like, where the fuck are all these Viking fans coming from? And uh, as of last check, uh, and it's still early, there is more than 200 upper-level seats available for 80 bucks a piece on StubHub. That is damn near face value. I'm not sure what face is. It might be 65, might be 70. I don't know. But, yeah, it is a new day in this town when it comes to what once was the hardest ticket to get at RFK. It used to be... If you had tickets to a Redskin game, you bragged about it all week. I got tickets. I'm going to the game. You going to the game? Where'd you get tickets? That's amazing. And despite the fact they have been in full reverse on the number of seats even available to be bought at FedEx Field, they keep taking more out. And now they're begging you to buy tickets. No pressure, Alex Smith. No pressure, Jay Gruden. But man... If you're going to pick a year in which you suddenly win big for the first time in a long time, right now would be a good time. Like, right now. Like, this is the tourniquet that this franchise needs for there to be, uh, you know, for there to avoid serious, what I call tissue damage to the relationship between the Redskins and the fan base. God help us if they win five games. 
God help us. That ain't going to happen. No win seven. Easy. Maybe eight. Who knows? <laughs> That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Hit up that Reddit thread, which does exist, about how great this thing is. Leave a, po- leave a positive review and rating. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, and more. Always remember, when it comes time to do the right thing and nobody is around, remember, God is watching. And he's not a snitch, but God is watching. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.